You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, live and local, here on WDBX. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are going to, well, let's start with some happenings. It's winter. It's cold. Yes, it's cold, chilly outside. No more of this uh, pretend springtime weather. <laughs> we, it was pretty interesting that um, this week we probably had the hottest and the coldest temperature on record. Yeah, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Well, I think it was just freaky. Yeah. So, um, did you get a chance to get a little snow in your hair this week? A little bit, yeah. There's a little bit of flurries. You know, not enough to stick, but enough so you could look out the window and see it. Well, it stuck to my hair. Okay. Some happenings. Hello, folks. This winter, there's an exciting series of films and discussions Fridays at 7 p.m. at the Big Muddy Independent Media Center, which is at 214 North Washington Street in Carbondale. You know, that's, well, it's just down the block from the studio here at WDBX. And each of these films will provide plenty of fodder for live political discussion, if you like that kind of stuff. Otherwise, just very lively discussion, period. Here's what they have lined up. Today, January 18th, join John Walker of the Illinois Compassion Action Network, ICANN, for a presentation of Waiting to Ex... I almost said... Yeah, waiting to inhale. Wait, waiting, yeah. I, mass media s- screwed with my mind. Waiting to inhale. This is uh, examines the heated debate over marijuana and its use as medicine in the United States. After the film, John will talk about the effort to pass a medical marijuana bill in Illinois. One recent bill almost passed the state Senate last year. So... There is cause for optimism. Twelve states have already passed such legislation. For more information on the film, see waitingtoinhale.org slash thefilm.html. And um, if you want to know what's the film for next week at the Big Muddy Independent Media Center, next Friday, January 25th, if you've noticed that most of the media coverage of the 2008 presidential race is not exactly fair, balanced, or insightful, you're not alone. Join for former gubernatorial candidate Rich Whitney for a media presentation and discussion on They're Telling You What They Think, the corporate media and the 2008 elections. This gets to the very heart of why we need to build an independent media in the United States. The handful of media conglomerates that dominate the media in the, our country are, are trying to control the par- parametri- parameters. See, I, sometimes I can't read the parameters of political choice more brazenly than ever. The realization that they are manipulating us is the first step towards overcoming the manipulation. If you want the real change in 2008, maybe it needs to begin by combating corporate media domination. You could do that by giving money to this station. Yeah, it's always good to you know support WDPX. I really like community radio. Not just they, not just because they let me come here and do a show each week, but 
because I like listening to the other ones too. There's other shows? Oh yeah, there's more than one. Oh okay, oh, I thought we were it. So, other happenings. Yes, other happenings. We've got several happenings coming up for Martin Luther King Day. Uh, yeah, some local happenings we have are the. Uh, this actually started already. It started um, last Tuesday, and it's going through next Friday. It's a community project, the Canned Food Drive. You can drop items off at any of the uh, MLK Week events. In honor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., they're accepting canned goods for area food banks. Poverty is one of the evils that Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement fought against. Collection boxes can be found at any of the MLK Week events. So, some of the events coming up on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Carbondale Unitarian Fellowship. That's at the corner of Parish and Sunset. That's 105 North Parish Lane. Bill Sasso will be offering a uh, presentation on the theology of the Civil Rights Movement. There's also going to be a Southern Illinois celebration of the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. That's at the Carbondale Civic Center at 4. And this is the... Uh, first time that they've combined the Murfreesboro and the Carbondale celebrations. So it's going to be a big, you know, well, it's it's always, each individual one has been big, but now it's going to be even bigger with the two together. So then coming up on Monday, uh, the holiday itself, there's the NAACP breakfast starting at 7.30 a.m. That's at Grinnell, Grinnell Hall at the SIUC campus. Tickets are $5 and can be purchased at the door. The contact person for that is Ben Shepard, and you can call 549-4620. That's sponsored by the Carbondale branch of the NAACP. Also on Monday, Freedom for All March, starting at 10.30 a.m. The march starts at the Interface Center at 913 South Illinois, which is the corner of Illinois and Grad Avenue. The march ends Carbondale Downtown Pavilion. Students, faculty, staff, and community members are invited to participate in a march to remember the past and acknowledge the present struggles for freedom, justice, and human rights. Help us reawaken the legacies left by Dr. King, Cesar, Chavez, Mahatma Gandhi, and countless other heroes. Yes, so then... Another part of the week, Tuesday at 7 p.m., Barry Scott, a tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. This will be a reenactment of Dr. King's famous speech at the SIU Student Center's second floor auditorium. Barry Scott, who was complimented by the late Coretta Scott King on what she described as his realistic and honest depiction of her late husband. He will be there to provide a reenactment of Dr. King's most famous speech, uh, followed by a question and answer session. For more information on that, you can email Sonia Garrett at Sonia at S-O-N-J-K-A at S-I-U dot E-D-U. So then on Wednesday, there's going to be at 7 p.m., Underground Arts presents Dr. King's Nightmare. This is at Student Center's second floor auditorium. Members of the Spoken Word Performance Group, Underground Arts, will turn their eyes to the animated series Boondocks. Um, I actually like, I've read that as a comic strip, you know. I've only seen like a couple episodes of the animated version. I didn't know that yeah. it was animated. Um, so it had a controversial uh, Dr. Martin Luther King episode. Um, for more information on that, 
You can contact Ken Suzuki at K-E-N-S-U-Z-U-K at S-I-U dot E-D-U. If you have any happenings, remember to email them to us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And if you happen to, well, miss our show and want to catch up on it, we do have the website, yourcommunityspirit.org, where we do kind of save all our shows if you want to listen to us again for whatever reason. Um, I thought I'd throw in... Um, one news article before we get to some special guests that have, well, come all the way down from Chicago. Save a tree, hug a bush. This is about bush. You can hug him if you want. Save a tree, hug a bush. The White House will save paper by putting a federal budget online. Instead of printing 3,000 copies of its 2,200-page budget, the White House has elected to put the gigantic tome online. Quote, this step will save nearly 20 tons of paper, or roughly 480 trees, says White House Budget Director Jim Hussle. His name is Hussle. Who estimates that bringing the budget presentation into the new millennium would save nearly a million trees over the next five years. Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Robert Byrd Democrat of West Virginia, for one, was unimpressed. Quote, Since when did the Bush White House get an e-physical discipline, he says? Let us hope that they send us a budget that is worth the paper it would have been printed on, like with lots of money associated and allotted for forest preservation. <laughs> Straight to the source, the Associated Press. So, Yeah, that will be ironic. It'll be ironic if they... Uh you know, save 480 trees by not putting it on the paper, but then the budgetary plans make them kill, you know, another 10 million trees. But, hey, at least they're trying, I guess. <laughs> so we have a couple of guests here who've come down from Chicago. Um, well, they've come to visit other people besides us, but we feel real special. So um, can you start by just introducing yourselves? Doug Marks. <laughs> and I'm Jen Walling. We're from the uh, Environmental Law and Policy Center in Chicago. And what did you actually do? I've heard, I've been involved and heard a lot of stuff, and I get a lot of mailings from the Environmental Law and Policy Center. Um, I guess, can you tell me first what ELPC, the Environmental Law and Policy Center, does, and then what you specifically do? Sure. The Environmental Law and Policy Center is actually a Midwestern organization. Uh, we're headquartered in Chicago, but we also have offices in Madison, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and new offices in North and South Dakota. Um, and we also do work in Ohio, Indiana, Minnesota, Michigan. I think that's covered all of our states. But the work that we do is both public interest litigation for the environment and policy work for environmental causes. So you're the environment's lawyers? <laughs> well, I, I am an attorney, but I do community organizing and policy work for the Environmental Law and Policy Center. And Doug will introduce himself. <laughs> I'm Doug, and I am not an attorney, but I, uh, I run a network called the Illinois Student Environmental Coalition, which is composed of groups in throughout the state of Illinois, environmental groups from colleges, 
And we, it's a new organization that rose from an old organization called ISEN. And what we do is we help run, we help facilitate communication between the groups, but we also plan events like uh, in February, on February 12th in Springfield, we have a legislative conference which gives students the opportunity to uh, lobby their legislators in Springfield. Why would a student want to do that? Well, <laughs> it's like, huh? Why would a student want to go lobby? Well, it takes us someone who's interested, first of all, in politics or the issue which we're lobbying for, which is to recycle electronic waste, which is your general electronics like TVs, computers, things along that line. And they are basically to recycle them opposed to throwing them in landfills with their harmful chemicals. Uh, but students, number one, if you're interested in the environment, it's a good way to make a difference beyond some of the traditional methods. But also, it's a really unique experience where you'll be able to actually go and do real lobbying in the Capitol in front of real legislators, but you'll have experienced lobbyists with you as well, so it won't be as intimidating an experience as it sounds. You get to practice with fake ones first? <laughs> it's like, well, we, get, we give you a little rundown beforehand. It's like, um, it seems like a very worthy campaign. I mean, there definitely is lots and lots of, well, trash that <laughs> can be recycled. Right. And, and these is are, not. Right. And this is, and with electronics, it's particularly bad because not only can they be recycled, because the plastic, the metals, et cetera, but there's also a lot of really harmful chemicals in them that when put into landfills can go down to our groundwater and contaminate the soil. Do you just work with students? Well, you I, are the Illinois student. I, I personally, along with a partner, Carrie Langford, work with students, uh, just the student groups, but we are housed inside of the LPC. Yeah, I always, especially as someone who's a computer user who cares about the environment, I'm always trying to discover new ways to minimize their ecological impact. So this sounds like a good idea, both because of the idea itself and because it gets students involved in the process. Right, it's, it starts them from the right time, when they're probably their most, at least politically interested when they're in college, and they have the ability to have some help, support from their, their groups. But you can learn a lot more information about it if you go to our website. It's uh, www.greenstudents.org. Hmm. Do you, how, how many students groups do you think you work with? I mean, you probably have, actually know instead yeah, of think. We have a little bit over 40 groups from colleges all the way up in the Chicago area to all the way down here in Carbondale. So, yeah, you're actually here to talk with the student group in town. So. Yep, exactly, the Student Environmental Center. Good deal. Student Environmental Center. Woo-woo. All right. We didn't, you didn't know that you get to talk so much. All right. Um, what is it, I mean, you legislate, what are some of the campaigns that you are currently working on? Well, me personally at Environmental <laughs> Law and Policy Center, I have one campaign, and I am working with moving municipal utilities in the state of Illinois and rural electric cooperatives in the state of Illinois towards using renewable energy and energy conservation. I kind of like that stuff. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that, that's your full-time campaign? That is my full-time campaign. Ooh, I get to talk with you after this about <laughs> get our local um REA, the, yeah, 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 local co-op. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, the Egyptian electric around mm -hmm. here is very pro-renewables mm -hmm. in the fact that the head of it likes renewables, but they have no actual standard anything. Exactly. I and, mean, and also, you know, where this campaign came from, what our concern started with was 
groups of municipal utilities in the state of Illinois and um, rural electric cooperatives in the state of Illinois got together with municipal utility associations from Missouri, Kentucky, Indiana, and Ohio to build what will be the largest new source of global warming in the United States in the last 30 years, which is Prairie State Energy Campus. Nobody told me it was the largest. It is the largest, according to the Sierra Club, largest new source of uh, global warming in the last 30 years <laughs> to be built. Around here, you don't say it's it's the largest source of jobs. That's what you would say around here. I, this well, is Carbondale. So, it's Carbondale, so it's a coal plant. Yeah, Prairie yeah, State Energy Campus and um, Marissa, so right near here. But, you know, we obviously think... And I know these municipal utilities, they know that they're going to be subject to carbon regulation, and they're planning on it. And that's why it's such an odd time to be building this. And, you know, obviously, you talk about the coal plant providing these jobs, but we know there are jobs that are better for the environment and better technology through renewable energy, including, you know, one of the arguments that folks have been making, especially when you're building a coal plant, you build it, the air gets dirty, the soil gets dirty, the water, get di- water gets dirty, and the children that you had growing up in that town, they go off to college. They don't want to come back to that community where they grew up, and you're not go- going to be getting those highly educated folks moving back and improving the economy and having that improvement from that coal plant. So, you know, that's sort of some of the work we do. Um, I once read a report put out by ELPC called Repower the Midwest. Sure. Um, does that get updated regularly? I mean, I don't know. But I just remember it saying it was it covered all the different states in the Midwest and each state it I mean, you know, it had a report on each state what would happen if you spend X amount of dollars it would create this many jobs and put this much renewable energy and in the process save this amount of energy. But energy is also, well, in the case of renewable energy, getting rid of pollution. So exactly. it's like this whole it was like jobs and mm-hmm. saving the planet and all kinds of stuff all sure. in one. And we have all sorts of information about how uh, renewable energy will bring jobs to our state and to the Midwest uh, on our website. I don't know that we've updated that report, but you know, obviously since then, quite a few. Like in Illinois, um, ELPC worked very hard to pass the renewable portfolio standards and energy efficiency portfolio standards this past year. You might have to explain a little bit Uh, what that is. Sure. I know. (laughs) Well, so a renewable portfolio standard that, for example, the one that Illinois passed requires that um, certain utilities get a certain percentage of their energy from renewable sources, which includes um, solar, wind, biomass, geothermal, and in Illinois, uh, that requirement is 2% this year and 25% by 2025. And this only refers to ComEd and Ameren um, and their residential, it's called bundled customers, which just basically, yeah, before going way into depth, it's basically residential and small commercial customers. I actually last night looked at someone's Ameren bill, and mm-hmm. on there it said where the energy was coming from, mm-hmm. and it said zero percent. Well, they 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 had one percent renewable energy, but it's they counted hydropower. Yeah. Hydropower. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if around here they count large scale hydro, but mm-hmm. I know out in a lot of utilities are not allowed to count large scale hydro mm-hmm. because. I- I believe that that's part of it, but, you know, in Illinois, there's really not a lot of new hydropower that can be built. There's, you know, the facility they're thinking of building near Quincy, but we just don't have hydropower resources, so that's not an issue. But 
all of the renewable energy until 2013 has to be from Illinois. So it's really going to... Oh, so you actually have to build it in state. You yes, can't buy it from somewhere state, else. You can't buy it from somewhere else. That's so new. That's good. Yeah, renewable energy certificates, the cost of them just has almost doubled <laughs> since this yeah. past. So. Well, I mean, some a lot of states passed that, you know, mm-hmm. you had to have a certain amount of renewable energy, but you didn't have to buy it from that state. Mm-hmm. It's like... Um, May, w- would you know a little bit more about um, what Ameren is going to do? T- I mean, currently they have 0% renewable energy. Well, 1%. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that something's being done because I've gotten that little, in my own Ameren bill, I've gotten that little figure, and it looks like a, a giant coal Pac-Man that's eating like 1% of renewables. It's yeah, like, yeah. We're in combat, it's a giant nuclear Pac-Man, so, you know, the other way around. But... Yeah, I'm not. I don't know personally what they're doing. I know that they're having hearings before the um, ICC, the Commerce Commission, um, to decide how it's all going to be done and what rules they're going to have to follow. This is also not only did we pass a renewable energy standard, but we also passed an energy efficiency uh, standard, which is actually more important, mm-hmm. which is requires have, conservation. Yeah, if you so, save energy, you don't have to make it. Mm-hmm. So, ComEd, um, for example, I've looked at some of their stuff and. You know, includes all of the CFLs, you know, so selling low-priced CFLs, but um, also several di- different education programs for the whole state. And I know, especially in Chicago, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of things about, you know, energy efficiency. But I know from living down here that it's not as common to hear about what to do. I don't know if it, it's different what people do. So it'll be exciting to well, see I that mean- whole state. Um, very few people talk about energy conservation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always energy efficiency, energy efficiency, because that means you have to buy a product yeah. to save the energy. And I mean, energy conservation just means, well, turn Don't it off. It. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so we're enc- encouraging ComEd and Ameren to sell less power. It's like, so. <laughs> well, they actually can't make enough. That's yeah. the problem is yeah. there's more and more people on, the, and they can't literally make enough power. So. Yep. Um, they're actually most utilities are becoming pro renewable energy just mm-hmm. for that simple fact that mm-hmm. they cannot produce enough power and therefore, oh, you're going to put this power in for me? Okay, well, <laughs> um, I I understand that Ameren is actually supposed to have uh, a plan in place by April first mm-hmm. for net metering the ability to buy yes. power from, um, well. I, Sell power to Ameren. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm actually pretty sure that the net metering rule, it's capped at 200 customers this year, <laughs> and it opens in March. Ameren would do that, yeah. So it's it's for the whole state. It's not just Ameren. Oh. So 200 in the whole state. Well, Commonwealth Edison already has more than 200. Yeah, yeah. So 200, oh. that, will, that will get the advantage of net metering. And, you know, ELPC has been working very hard to... I'm sure it won't be hard, and I'm sure that that's going to sell out in the first month. That, that we'll get rid of the 200, and then it'll expand from there. So, because well, how is Ameren supposed to get their two percent if they don't do renewable energy? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not going to be so much customer base that customers are putting up their own solar panels. But you know, Illinois has more proposed wind energy projects than any other state in the country. We have something like 6,000 megawatts of wind projects planned in Illinois. 
And, you know, just for folks that don't know much about wind energy, Illinois is such a great state, not because we have the best wind resources in the whole country, but we have some of the best transmission lines of where those large wind turbine farms can hook into, um, which is why our state's going to be very attractive. And we hope maybe we can attract some clean wind energy businesses right here to places like Southern Illinois. Yeah, they're actually doing a feasibility study at the university for a wind generator. They started collecting the data in November, and so they have to do a year of data collection, of course, and then they're going to see if they can put one up. We don't have that much wind down here. It's very site-specific, but Mm -hmm. um, like you said, there's if anybody ever gets a chance to go and stand under one of those large wind generators, it's... It doesn't make a sound. It more like just vibrates the air. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just um, how can people get more information about, well, your organization and what you do? Well, uh, the website for the Environmental Law and Policy Center is www.elpc.org. So folks can just visit the website. We have links to clean energy. We have a um, Repowering the Midwest page. We also have a... Uh, a page called globalwarmingsolutions.org, which is our new site um, dedicated to our global warming work, and it has all of the clean energy, energy conservation, and global warming legislation work rolled into one fancy website. Um, it seemed like there was a pollution calculator on your website once. I don't know. Could there, be. I there's seen it. <laughs> there's so much stuff on the, the um, mm-hmm. you guys' website that we do a lot of different work in yeah. a lot of different areas. Um, in Chicago, I've I've read in some of the newsletters um, about the high speed rail system. Mm-hmm. I was always excited about that. I mean, we actually get two trains a day now yeah. down here. So more it's like, Well, two trains coming in and two trains leaving. So yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. twice as much trains. So um, do you have any final something you want to say? Thank you guys for coming and well, thank you. Yeah, just visiting Southern Illinois. Um, thanks for bringing the cold weather. It's like Sorry. we needed some snow. We need some cold weather. <laughs> we need to kill some bugs, you know. But yeah. unfortunately, this bug is shivering. So yeah, thanks for coming. It was good to have you on the show. All right, we'll get into a little bit of news here, and otherwise, we're gonna have to let's see where are we at. We've been talking a little bit about political stuff. Mitt me with your best shot. Guess who that's talking about? I'm guessing Mitt Romney. <laughs> um, Romney wins Michigan GOP primary after bashing McCain on fuel economy. Mitt, Mitt Romney won Michigan's Republican primary on Tuesday after whacking John McCain for supporting tougher fuel economy regulations and promoting radical climate change legislation. Romney portrayed himself as the defender of Michigan's floundering auto industry and said the automakers shouldn't be burdened with having to produce more fuel-efficient cars. McCain also got broadsided by an anti-government group, the American Environmental Coalition. Wait a second. McCain got broadsided by an anti-environment group called the American Environmental Coalition? <laughs> sometimes names don't mean what they say. Oh, yeah, sometimes they try to fool you. Um, the American Environmental Coalition, whose members include many people with close links to the Romney campaign, said an AEC co-chair, quote, when it comes to climate change, 
John McCain and Al Gore are far too much alike for my comfort. Oh, man, people really don't know what they're talking about. John McCain has been sponsoring legislation for the past several years that would give Al Gore much of the regulatory control and power he sought when he and Bill Clinton tried to get America to sign onto the UN's Kyoto Global Warming Treaty, end quote. <laughs> the Michigan outcome was a big blow to McCain after his New Hampshire win last week in which he seemed to get a boost from talking about fighting climate change. So, they're saying Romney won because he is against the environment and McCain won because he was for the environment. Yeah, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if, uh, if he really did care about the auto industry, he would be pushing for more fuel efficiency and for, you know, uh, uh, hybrid cars and electric cars because that's what's going to do good for the auto industry, not keeping the standards low. <laughs> but I guess we all have different opinions on these things. I just it, it just makes me laugh so hard that our cars that are manufactured in the U.S. cannot cannot actually be sold in China because they have higher emissions controls. So, did you know that in India they have a car called, I want to say it's called the Tata, $2,500, new car, it's going to be available. It's a four-seater. It looks, um, it's bigger than a golf cart, but um, it's half the cost of any other car in the world. The, the cheapest car in the world currently is 5000 and so this one's going to be $2,500. Um, it, it doesn't have any pollution controls or any of that stuff. Um, it does have a bigger engine than the first car made in America. <laughs> so um, the reason there's four people in it because, you know, two of them have to get out and push when you're on hills. Attention all local artists. The 12th annual WDBX Ball is coming soon. We're asking all of Southern Illinois' most creative folks to help us with art donations for our silent art auction. We welcome art of all kinds from painting to glasswork, sculptural to photography, metals, fibers, jewelry, and more. Just drop off items at the station and please fill out an artist information form when you do. Items needing framing must be received by February 4th. For more information about the art auction, call the station at 529-5900. The 12th annual WDBX Ball, the Zodiac Ball, is Saturday, February 9th at the Carbondale Civic Center. We need your art. <laughs> 